Hey, and welcome to Mama's Making Moves. We are glad you found us. In this podcast, Marissa Boone and Tracy Scott talk about their lives as real estate agents, wives, and moms. We want to share our lives and experiences with you, and we hope you laugh, relate, and cheer. Click subscribe so you don't miss our crazy lives as you take a small break from yours. Hello and good morning. Welcome to Mama's Making Moves. We are changing things up today, recording in the morning, so that's super fun. I guess it's still morning. For some people, I think it's, it's like 10-ish o'clock, so we're still coughing it up. Uh, we're missing uh, Miss Marissa this morning, but this morning we've got a special guest, uh, Miss Sonia Bushu. Woo, woo, woo. Hey. Welcome, Miss Sonia. Thank we you. are delighted to have you this morning. And uh, shout out to Marissa, who's struggling with a big, bad migraine headache today. So for those of you that suffer with that, yeah. Stay in the dark room. Stay in the dark room. So uh, I wanted to invite Sonia here. We've been talking a lot about, you know, women, uh, women that are making moves, mamas that are making moves. And this young lady uh, has certainly made some moves in her life for a young person that are incredible. I'm not supposed to be crying already. <laughs> it's too early for me. Like I, I, I love Sonia. First of all, y'all should know that. So if there are any semblance of me going because I can't talk, it's just because she uh, definitely has had a massive influence on our life. If it wasn't for Sonia, we'd probably have three children. Uh, but because of Sonia, we have seven. You're welcome. So <laughs> right. Sometimes I love her for that. And sometimes, well. Anyway, I love her for that, mostly. Uh, so today we're going to talk about, you know, foster care. We're going to talk about adoption. We're going to talk about, uh, you know, struggling with infertility and, and what works and, and what didn't work and how adoption really changed your life um, and what that looks like because we know that there are a lot of myths out there. We know that there are a lot of people that are struggling in ways like you have. So we're just going to kick it off by letting you kind of just share your share your story. Okay. Um, yeah, so, um, my husband David and I, we got married back in 2009 and like any newly married couple within the first year or two, you have everybody asking you when you're going to have kids, mm -hmm. you feel like there is a season for everything and this is just the time that you do it. And so, um, enter baby fever right. and feeling like, <laughs> all right, we're married. It's time to have children and, um, grow this nest and, um, it didn't quite happen the way that, you know, I thought that it was going to. We tried for years and uh, nothing really worked. Um, I knew that I had um, been diagnosed with polycystic ovarian syndrome. And so having children anyways is going to be a little hard, but not as hard as I imagined that it was going to be. And so we had tried to conceive for several years and um, three, I believe, naturally. And then we ended up going to a... Uh, infertility specialist and um, just to see how he could help and we talked about different possibilities you know doing IUIs, IVF, um, just hormone therapy to try to help like stimulate my eggs and all of that and um, that went on for about a year and a half. We did the shots and the blood work and medication upon medication and um, you know, every month I remember going in and every single month, the numbers were perfect. They were just perfect. The doctor's like, I don't see why this isn't going to work. Um, there's no reason why it shouldn't work. And so fingers crossed and negative pregnancy test, you know, mm -hmm. over and over again. And, uh, we ended up doing that for a year of just shots. And then, um, finally we decided that we were going to try to do an IUI. And it was the same thing. Um, numbers were perfect, and there was no reason why any why this shouldn't work. And again, you know, negative pregnancy test. And we kind of took a step back after that. We were gonna potentially pursue IVF, but I really felt um, like I don't know if it was necessarily a place of feeling just really defeated, um, self pity, or if I was just tired. Like enough was mm -hmm. enough. Mm -hmm. um, but regardless of what it was, we kind of took a step back and I recalled 
receiving a one at one of those times during during that uh, fertility journey, I had gone onto the uh, West Virginia DHHR website and had oh. had looked at all the you know when you're wanting children, you would look at baby pictures, children that are adoptable on the websites. You know, uh, you see all these cute little faces of children and reading their stories. And um, one time, well, many times, but one of the times I was on there, I had ended up inquiring and received a packet in the mail. And uh, I ended up coming across that packet and that kind of like sparked a little bit of an interest, but we kind of stuck it on the back burner, um, you know, cause I felt like adoption, I mean, like I, I always wanted to adopt, but there's so many like what ifs that go along with that. And it's a, it was a scary step. Like it's a real, you know, it's a real yes, like a life changing yes. When you, when you make that decision and I wasn't quite at the point of where I was ready to just like move forward. And then um, during that time, our church, we were doing the Daniel fast and um, it was really fun stuff. I was hungry all the time. Um, but <laughs> during that time I was doing a Bible study um, that went along with the Daniel fast and specifically in there, uh, I remember my husband and I, we were reading and it was talking about Abraham with Sarah and um, yeah, Abraham with Sarah and talking about, you know, how her having trouble, like having children and how, the way that things kind of worked out for them. But in, you know, there was a summary like for that study and it had kind of, you know, sparked up like about what have you been waiting on for like God's timing, you know? And um, are you ready to like say that yes to where you feel like his, where he is like leading you towards? And instantly as I was reading, the, reading this, the adoption and foster care popped back in my head. Like, you know, I, it's like, Sonia, I know that you have been trying and I hear you, I see you, like I see your disappointment, but like now is the time, like just say yes and trust me. And um, I just, I just need you guys to take the first step that it was a very clear, just um, pull. And so um, the next month we signed up for pride classes, um, which is uh, the classes that you need to take to become a foster parent. And um, we went with a local agency out here, Burlington United Methodist Family Services, and we did the pride classes and started doing the home study and, and all of that. And it was kind of a whirlwind of like months, like basically right. people were just telling me when they were showing up to my house and where I needed to be and that's what we were doing. Um, and so we could check these boxes and, um, the pride classes were great and informative, but I remember like I would leave the each week and um, David and I, we would just kind of like sit back and, you know, I guess dream of what, what our coming months was going to look like. Mm -hmm. um, and the, the classes were great, but they never prepared us for like necessarily like what to, what to really expect because you can't just like when you're expecting a baby, right? Like when you're expecting anything, you can't really know what to expect until you're like in it. Right, and right. so um, that was in uh, March of 2014, I believe. Um, we got licensed in August of 2014, 13 or 14. Anyway, somewhere around there. And we got licensed and um, we started getting the phone calls coming in. And um, our, we had um, our very first placement was a little boy. And whew, you know, you want to talk about um, not feeling prepared. Like it was, I mean, literally like you get a phone call and um, next thing you know, an hour later, uh, the social worker was on our doorstep with a little boy with all of his stuff in a little black bag, a uh, trash bag, you know, and, and they basically dropped him off. And that just kind of started our foster care journey. Um, over the course of the years, we had um, 17 children in total come in and out of our house, ranging from little babies to a 21 year old. And um, it was it was crazy. It was a whirlwind. Um, it was full of heartbreak. You know, we had seen like children that we were really hoping uh, to adopt, even though the goal is always, you know, reunification. It's really hard. Like you can say that you're not going to get attached, but it's hard to not get attached. Like, you know, you can try to put up those walls and block your emotions and your feelings and everything. But if you're really doing what you're supposed to be doing and, and loving on these kids, like it's going to happen regardless. And so some, there was definitely some heartbreak. There was also awesome times too, where you saw the parents get their lives back together and the children were able to go back home um, because they do love, you know, their biological parents, even if it is awesome at your house. Um, 
you know, it's just a whirlwind of emotion. Then we got to adopt um, our children um, during that time too. We had um, we had uh, first adopted our daughter Sayla, and she was um, a very unexpected. We have uh, safe haven laws, you know, like in every state, and you hear about, it's basically like winning the lottery, um, because mm -hmm. a safe haven baby, you know, is dropped off and they're relinquished by the parents um, for whatever reasons at the hospital, fire departments, police stations, wherever, these safe um, drop-off drop locations, and um, basically the social worker will give a family a call, and there's so many families that are waiting for a baby. Mm -hmm. You know, especially an adoptable baby, like when right. you're not going through the um, reunification process and all of that. And um, we had just, it was in July of 2015, we had just said goodbye to two of our first foster care placements, um, one of whom had went home with her mom and then the other one, um, he had been our first um, kid, he had been um, placed with an adoptive family, uh, awesome family. And um, it was, you know, exciting and, um, and a joyous time, but at the same time, it was really, like, heartbreaking, too. And out of the blue, we got a call on July 28th, 2015, and um, it was the social workers that we had worked with, and they said that there was a little baby girl that was dropped off at the hospital, and they wanted to know when we were coming over, and it was, it was just, like... Woo, you know like crazy I called my husband screaming I'm like it's a girl like he doesn't even know what's going on I'm just like you need to meet me at the hospital and um and that entered that brought Selah into our lives and um and then shortly after that um about six months later we had a Madeline and Clara come into our home as well um our two older girls and um their story was a little bit different you know it was um it was a regular like foster uh, foster care process and we had the option or the ability to uh, um, adopt them when reunification was no longer a option. And um, so shortly after we ended up adopting those two as well. Um, and I mean, it's basically an instant feel like it's that movie. I don't know if you've seen that movie, <laughs> yeah. but it's so real. Like if you really want to know what it's like, like you watch that movie and that's exactly what it's like. And we basically became like an instant family. And, um, you know, it's crazy. Like I look back, we ended up closing our home last year or last year, I think it was, um, just, you know, we were ready to kind of take a step back and really focus on just the girls and us. Um, foster care was amazing, but it's also very tolling and it takes a lot of you, you know, because you're invested in these children and the emotional roller coaster that goes along with it. And so we were just ready to kind of take a step back and um, start just focusing on the kids that had been placed in our home permanently, you know, forever that we said that yes to, because they really needed some, you know, individual like loving as well and attention with Claire's health stuff, um, just behavioral trauma stuff, you know, and, and them just being kids and them needing their parents. Um, and so we, we took a step, a step back, but it's crazy. Cause I look back and, you know, I would totally do it all over again. David would probably not agree with me. <laughs> <laughs> he likes the quiet, you know, and the, um, he, he likes where our life is at now, but it was, it was an awesome time, but you know, um, I would totally do it over again if we could, um, if we ever got to a position to do it to do foster care again um but yeah like that's pretty much that's our story awesome yeah all right so a couple things that i know but the people that are listening don't know how old were you when what? you when you decided like okay we're gonna do this foster care thing you see like i know like hold on. all right hold on i'm 31 <laughs> okay yeah Okay, I don't know if y'all heard that. She's 31 I'm 31 now. right now. She's had 17 kids. <laughs> she currently has three. I think I was 25. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's, yeah, I yeah. think that's about right. Yeah. So, 25 years old. So, for people that are listening, I know one of the myths that, that surround foster care is like, I have to be ready. I have to be old enough. I have to be young enough. I have to be, you know, whatever. Yeah. 25 years old is pretty young to yeah. make the decision that says... Yeah, I'm going to bring these kids into my life that have trauma and upset and crazy. I mean, mm -hmm. what would you say to the person that is like, I'm afraid of the trauma? Because you know it's it's oh, real. It is. It is. Um, 
trauma is real and it and it can be you know i'm not gonna lie like there can be some situations we had some situations trauma situations where it was really scary um but i think the biggest thing with trauma is that you know where people feel like they might not be as experienced or that because of their age um or inexperienced and not, they don't have the ability to handle it um handling trauma isn't easy but it's like it's very simple like it's you know meeting the child where they're at right and that's really you know all it is like you you take it step by step day by day season by season and you meet them where they're at a lot of times it's just loving on them even when they're really hard to love on right um or they don't reciprocate your affection mm. and love um you know it's I guess it's not as scary as it needs to be made out to be. Um, I, I recall like, and these were people like that meant well, but I recall when, um, I can't remember if it was friends or families, but I would have people like send me text messages or like links to these videos of like crazy murderous mm. Mm. sociopath children that had been in like the foster care system. And they're right. like, I saw this and thought of you. Yeah. And this is like, while we're, getting licensed and even when we had some pretty <laughs> difficult children mm -hmm. and they sent like they sent these videos of kids that had been in I mean in crazy like crazy trauma like their life will never be the same and you know it might not even only been trauma related there could have been mental health stuff um too that's hereditary like a whole you know but they would send these stuff like and I remember when thinking initially about children and trauma like you kind of have a picture of you know, whatever that might look like to you. And I, like, I always was like worried that that's what we were kind of going to end up dealing with. Mm -hmm. Um, but that never really was the case. Right. You know, so I, I guess my, my advice would be not to make it into something that it's not. Right. And not to overcomplicate it. Right. And the resources are there. Yes. So. Yeah. The resources are there. There's there. I mean, there's therapists. Um, therapy is amazing. Um, you know, for, for, us as adults, for them as children, um, being able to work through their stuff at that young age, you know, and letting them process through it now, so that way they're not having to bring it and hash it all back up as adults. Um, you have social workers who will work to advocate with you. Um, you have CASA workers, the court-appointed special advocates that will also help you, you know, if you feel like you're reaching a dead end. Um, even, like, if you find an awesome pediatrician, and there's, there's, there's plenty of great doctors and pediatricians everywhere, you know, like you just got to find the one that fits for you and for that child. But even our pediatrician was, was one of our biggest um, resources for when we had issues with our children, you know, like sometimes it wasn't necessarily a trauma thing. Like, you know, sometimes it was a sensory thing, you know, mm -hmm. like we would see this kid like freaking out and think that like, what the heck happened to this child for, you know, for, um, for her to act like that. And then come to find out it's like a sensory issue. Right, you right. know, um, so yeah, the support is there, family, friends, uh, your church, you know, local organizations, there's tons and tons of um, avenues, foster, other foster families, you know, um, that have been there and, and been there and done that. Um, th that was probably one of my big, our biggest helps, um, our help when we were going through that kind of stuff, we're just having families that have been there. And um, able to say like, okay, you're not crazy. I see it too. You know, like let's just take a step back and just giving us the permission to not be okay in that moment and to, mm -hmm. you know, um, recollect ourselves and that way we could come up with a game plan on how to like help the child. Right. Yeah. So when you sign up to do adoption or sign up for foster care, rather, there's sort of these. Uh, criteria that you can check off like you know I don't want this I don't want that I do want this I don't want that uh -huh. you know it's pretty funny because you know you don't know but you were open uh, apparently I don't know what you put on your list okay but I do know what you've uh, what you've accepted into your home as far as children and adults and special needs and really all of it so you have had experience with the high trauma the special needs the adult child the the baby baby mm -hmm. um, what do you, you know, special needs, people are, are wildly afraid of that. I feel like it's, yeah. it's a special person. Talk to us about, you know, adopting a child with special needs and what that looks like. Um, so when you, when you talk about that criteria, so, you know, I, I'm pretty certain that you know this and it, like, I don't think we were ever like quiet about this, but our initial, like we said we were going to adopt one child. <laughs> 
and no special needs. <laughs> oh, okay. And the ages, so you need to, check the, the ages needed to be like under five. Uh huh. And we had, I mean, so you wrote down what David said. Yeah. But you knew better in your mind, like you. I like, did, uh-huh. and and it's hard to say mm-hmm. no when you get oh, those yeah. calls, yeah. like. You know, it's like, hey, you know, when they, when they get, when you get these calls and be like, hey, I got a 16 year old for you, um, you know, who's been through X, Y, Z. And it's like, is there anybody else? And so you tell them to call you back if there's nobody else. And you're like, surely somebody else would say yes. And then they don't. And then they call you back and you're like, okay, you know. Right, Lord, um, it must have been for me, Lord. Yeah. This is what you'll have me do in this season. Yes, Um, I'll take a 16 year old. Yeah. (laughs) It was, it was definitely interesting. It makes me um, look forward to when my kids are, when my girls are teenagers. Like, some of it was really fun. There were some fun things about having a teenager. Mm-hmm. And there were some that were not so fun. And I'm like, I, it wasn't that long ago when I was a teenager, you know? And I'm like, I am not done. Right. Um, <laughs> they try to play me for a fool. Right. Um, so the criteria, yeah, um, was definitely, what we ended up with was not what we had marked down. Um, but for the special needs, the special needs really scared us. Um, you know, we had said no to um, medical special needs because I am not like, you know, I'm not a super nurturing person. Like, I would not necessarily become a nurse, like, ever. Right, right. Um, if I was, like, I'm sure that I would be efficient mm-hmm. and get my job done, mm-hmm. but I'm not, like, the most sympathetic mm-hmm. when somebody is in distress. Like, it's just not me, <laughs> you right. know? I'm like, here's a, here's a mask. And you go get in bed, and I'll see you in about 24 hours, yeah. you know, when you're feeling better. If you have a fever, come down and see me. Right. Um, <laughs> you know, like, if you're dying, come come and find me. Um, you know, so I'm not, like, necessarily thought that I would ever be cut out for doing medical special needs. But, yeah, we got, um, I mean, we ended up adopting. So our daughter, Clara, we ended up adopting her, and she, um, we knew that she was going to have medical needs from the beginning. Um, she had a double lung transplant when she was three or four months old as a baby. And when she had entered into our home, she was being released from a, um, like a residential care center, um, because she had lost like a lot of weight. Um, she was down to 15 pounds when she was removed and placed into care. And, um, there was a lot of relearning that she had to do, um, so not only does she have her medical needs from her lung transplant, she also has like cognitive um, needs. Uh, she is delayed by several years. Um, cognitive function and ability. Um, she needed like occupational therapy and she was doing speech therapy and you know, um, regular therapy and, and then all of her doctor's appointments. Um, you know, I don't know how we ever, I don't know how we ever, um, got to the point of saying yes, but I just know that when, like, when we got that call, it was a no brainer, mm-hmm. you know, it was like something on your heart was just like, yes. Right. Um, she was on a, she was on a feeding tube. I had a G tube when we got her and, um, we had to go to that, we had to go to that center and learn how to take care of her and how to change out the, um, the little G button like in and out of her stomach and how to do gravity feeds and and all of that stuff and like when when we showed up for that um my husband was like amazing and this is where you know that two are better than one right because he was like they're all calm and collective and collected and like all right we're gonna do this and I had actually locked myself in the bedroom um for the guest room in the Mm -hmm. hospital and cried and said right. this was a huge mistake. I'm pretty certain I called you. <laughs> I'm pretty I, certain I did. I called you and was like, I don't know what we're doing here. I can't do this. Like, you know, just totally freaked out. Like that yes was so sure when we said it. And then when I showed up, I literally wanted to like run out of the hospital and be like, I forget, forget all of this. Like it was just so overwhelming and scary. Um, but we did it. Like, you know, three years later now, she is no longer... she no longer has a g-tube and you know and she gained that weight back she was potty trained within a month she wasn't potty trained at the time when we got her you know she was six years old and in diapers um you know she is catching up for the most part like she still definitely has her issues and I'd be lying if I say that it's not hard like there's some days that are really really hard Mm -hmm. um but I think that's I think that's the case when you're just a parent in general 
Right. Like, I think it's normal for you to have, like, just really, really hard days. There's some days where you worry about your kids, even if they don't have special needs, that they're going to be okay when they're older. Right. Um, you know, there's times where you have to help them in school and advocate for them in school because they're not learning at a regular rate um, than other children or their needs aren't being met. Like, you know, I guess, like, special needs doesn't take a special person. Right. You right. know, like it like there's no qualification for it. I'm I'm not a special person. Right. You know, for saying yes to a special needs child. Like, um, you know, it's not like I've got some magic like superpower. And some days, to be honest, like some days I feel like there might be somebody that's better seated. Like right. there's gotta be somebody who can do a better job than me because I feel like I'm failing, you know, like um but I think that's just normal. Like, I think that's normal, like, for just parents in general. Like, some days you feel like you do not have it and you don't got this. And, right. um, yeah. Yeah. What would you say to the, you know, I we hear stuff all the time, right, because adoption comes up and foster care comes yeah. up and people say well-meaning things. One of the things that I hear a lot is, oh, I just don't know if I could give them back. I just don't know how they would go, you know, have to see them go back to these you know, horrible homes and these horrible people that they got removed from anyway. What do you say to that? It's not about you. Right. <laughs> you know, um. Right. In the most loving way. It's, it's not, not about, about you. about you. It's not about you. Um, <laughs> in a very loving way. No, you know, I, I think it's a valid, I think it's a valid concern. Um, you know, and I think it is a concern that's warranted, like, um, because it is, it's hard, like, like I said earlier, you know, if you're doing your job right, you're gonna love these children, you know, if you're in it for the right reasons, you're gonna love them with all that you have, um, but, like, it's okay, like, you know, I know that in the moment, you feel like you can never give them back, right, um, and maybe when you are giving them back, you feel like you can't do this, and your heart, yeah. yeah, but, like, it's okay, and it does get better, you know, and, um, and those kids, the, the, your time with them and your memory with them, like, it always stays with you. Like, there's a, you know, I look back on pictures of the kids that we've had and reminisce about it, um, and sometimes it's really good because, like, I forget about the hard times and I only remember the good, mm -hmm. you know, and, and, like, and have these sweet memories of them, um, but the thing is, it's not about you. Like, you know, if, if these kids go back to the, to their home, the hope is that their time that they have been with you is like life changing for them too. Right. You know, um, I, I recall a, there was a social worker that had shared a story with us um, when we were going through our classes and she um, had said that she had ended up in foster care. So she was um, one out of a sibling group of four mm -hmm. and um, her older, she was the youngest and all of her uh, siblings did not get put into foster care because they were old enough or had like different dads or whatever the situation was, but they ended up not going into foster care. And she was the only one that did. Um, and she ended up going back home and it was, um, the par her parents actually did not get their lives back together, um, but they did what they needed to do to get her back home. Right. And, um, and the court was okay with that and it happens, you know, like it does. Um, you see parents relapse and all that. And so that was kind of her story. Um, but she went back home and it was years of in and out of just not good stuff. But she said that, you know, although it wasn't ideal, like she never would have had that time where she went into foster care. She never would have had experienced a normal, like, family right. setting. She never would have experienced, like, a, um, a constant Right. You know, and never would have just had the, that experience in general. And that was actually what fueled her to become a social worker and to, like, advocate and work with, like, children who were once or who are in a situation of where she once was. And so, you know, my, my thing to, if you say that you feel like you just can't give them back, you know, like, it really isn't about you. But don't let that, hold, don't let that, like, hold you back. You know, like, it, as much as doing foster care um, is, you know, to meet these children's needs and to give them like a loving and stable environment, um, in the most chaotic, unstable time. It, it very much also is equally rewarding to you, whether they stay or whether they go, like it grows you and grows your heart and stretches you in ways that you can never imagine. Um, it's faith building, like, you know, you'll never be the same in the best way possible. Right. Um, I hear people say all the time of like, you know, God, like open my eyes or open my heart so I can love and see people like you do. Like, if you really, if you really want to see that, like say yes 
and step into a really broken system and bear witness to a really broken world, you know, um, and, and see these children and meet them where they're at in that brokenness. Um, because you'll never be the same. Right. I felt like we could just amen right there and like (laughs) shut it down because that's just so the truth, you know, so the truth. I always say when people say that, and it's almost the first reaction, it's like, Oh, I would just fall in love with them and I could never give them back. Of course you will. Yeah. Of course you will fall in love with them because, you know, of course you will because they're broken and hurting and you're passionate and loving them. At the same time, saying that is like saying, you know, they don't deserve to be loved. They're not worth it. In the the most trying time of their life. It's not their fault. And the system is broken. So what do you say to that? People are like, I don't want to get involved with foster care. The system is broken. It's, you know, this, it's that, it's. It is broken. It is broken. That's not a lie. And there's people that are fighting hard to try to, like, change it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's an uphill battle. Like, you know, like, there's so many things that are wrong with it. Um, I always say you could be part of the problem. You, you can. be part of the yes. solution. So I think you... I have written something on Facebook recently about this, um, about where I've been seeing lots of people, uh, friends of mine posting, because in West Virginia, you know, our foster care crisis has been on the news a lot lately, Mm -hmm. um, about how, like, our numbers are rising and the amount of foster families are declining um, because there's not enough financial help, there's not enough, um, you know, resources in general um, right now, like not the therapy and all that stuff, but resources to place these children in the homes. Like, you know, our court systems and agencies are overwhelmed. Um, but my thing is, is, you know, if you're going to worry, like you can't complain about that and talk about that and say that somebody should do something when you're not doing something like, mm-hmm. you know, there are, there are so many people that are doing something there, right. you know, there's an army of foster parents and foster care workers and social workers and advocates and agencies that are all doing their part and trying to do their best to to fix a broken system, you know, and you might not be able to, I don't know, you might, you might be the, you might be the person that it takes to, um, to come up with a solution and to really fix like this broken cycle. But even if you're not, you can be part of the solution and you can um, fix what's broken for, um, whatever specific child that comes into your home. Right. You know, these kids that come into your home, they don't know that the system's broken. Right. You know, um, they don't know that the system is broken. So you can do your part to um, make sure that a child has a home to go to when they get removed. And so that way they're not being placed in a, um, in a residential setting temporarily or bouncing around from respite to respite house, you know, because they, um, the families are at max capacity. Um, you know, but you can't let the broken, like, you can't let the brokenness stop you. Like, things that are worth it are hard, right. you know, and fighting something, fighting a broken system is hard, but you don't have to let the weight of that, like, fall upon your shoulders and figure, and think that, like, if I say yes, I also need to try to do X, Y, Z, you know, to try to make everything right. Like, no, you don't. Like, you just need to step up, say yes, and then take it from there, you know? Yeah. Um, and we'll kind of end, end with this. I feel like this is all so good. But how about your family, right? So you bring them into your house, yeah. but you've got, and that was your choice, but you have grandparents and you have aunts and you have uncles. And I mean, I know that sometimes they're well-meaning. I, we've adopted four kids too, so I, I know what this looks like. <laughs> and I have it really great. Um, but I know that there have been times, you know, right? So talk to us about that. How do you how do you how do you get your family's buy in and, and you know just tell us a little some stories about family and what you do and how you work with that. So I think families families do mean well. You know, like they want to try to be supportive. Um, they also, you know, your parents, um, your siblings, um, aunts and uncles, like you know, they hate to see you struggle and mm-hmm. go through hardships. And right. I think when they hear about you doing foster care or adoption they automatically think of like all the possible things that can go wrong right and want to protect you from it you know yeah. and so i can't fault fault them for when they say things um so we you know we we got got kind of like a mix um we had some family that were like super ecstatic and supportive and um really just like loved every single kid that came now um 
all of our family members, every time we actually had a child come into our home, when they interacted with them, they were awesome to them. Right. So we never ever had a family member that treated anybody like they were not a part of the family. Um, you know, like they were the other, like, the, right. like, who are you? Right. You know, we never had anybody that treated them like that, um, which, which we were really blessed with because I have, I know some families, um, foster families where that is the case, you know, where the pa- grandparents want nothing to do with the foster kids. Right. Um, so we never had that, but we did definitely have where, you know, families like questioning us, like, are you sure you should be doing this? You know, um, you know, like this is, um, we don't really know if you're well suited for this. (laughs) Right. Have you really thought this through? Like, Uh these are all like conversations Uh that we have. Um, you know, we had numerous conversations about maybe like we were taking on way too much Mm -hmm. and maybe we were. You know, like, at the time, maybe we were, but it wasn't necessarily the most helpful thing to hear in that time. Mm -hmm. Like, sometimes you just need, like, people to not give their advice and to just help you. Right. (laughs) You know, like, Mm -hmm. help you where, they need to meet you where you're at. Um, You know, so that was, (sighs) I'm trying to think of, like, any, like, specific, um, I can't really think of, like, anything that, like, straight up comes to mind, though. Um. I think it was more so just like the questions and the hesitation mm-hmm. and the doubt. Um, and I think you hit the nail right on the head, right out of the gate with they're saying it out of a place of love because they don't want to see you, their daughter, their yeah. sister, their whomever yeah. relation you are su- struggle yes. or suffer or, you know, they, it's hard for our, our parents. I know it's hard for mine to like see the reward of it. Yeah. Um, I know I've gotten the question because I had other children and they'll say, well, how is this, you know, this is going to affect your other kids. How yeah. does it affect them? Yes. Um, I can say from my experience, it's made my other kids much better kids. Yeah. Um, I can see that day to day. I'm sure my parents see like I'm spread a little thin, yes. you know, some days. And that's true. That is true. That yeah. that would be this true if they were seven biological kids or seven there's only one of you you know (laughs) like you said it takes a team and and we are we're both blessed that family member that or friends that become family that say here how do I help Um, I think there's way more of those people than people that are like holy crap I'm out of here checking out I I think one of the things is you've got to like sometimes you know unfortunately sometimes you do have some family members are super toxic Mm -hmm. And if, if this is definitely something that you said like yes to, um, not even foster grant anything, right? Like if, if you are pursuing something and you've got people who, okay, they share their concern, but it's constantly like negative, like you might need to put some boundaries in, in place and just let them know like, Hey, I know you mean well, but like, this is not helpful. Like what you're saying is not going to change my mind. Like we're doing this, right? you know, and like, you're either with me. Or you're not, if you're with me, that's awesome. If you're not, just please keep, like, your comments and thoughts to yourself because it's really not helpful. Um, yeah, but I think the biggest thing is usually that it comes from it comes from a place of concern. And sometimes it comes from a place of fear, too. Um, we have had where, with our girls' um, story, um, you know, both of our older girls have been diagnosed with a reactive attachment disorder. And, um, which means that, you know, that they have a really hard time of forming, um, like healthy attachments to caregivers, family members, the people that are constant, like in your life that you would normally have a really strong bond to, they have a really hard time with that sometimes. Um, and some, and early on they would kind of act inappropriately, Mm -hmm. um, around people, especially males, um, and men in general. And, um, when we first, when they first came into our home, we really had to put down the boundaries of like, Hey, like, please don't let them sit in your lap. Like, I know that you normally would if it was your grandkid, like pick, scoop them up and stick them on your lap and, you know, hug on them. But like with these girls, like we really need you to not to, um, you know, it's not because that they're going to hurt you or they're going to do something wrong or anything like that. But it's like just trying to establish those healthy like boundaries and put them in place and when we had to do that it was very difficult um I think that it kind of freaked out some of our family members like some of our grandparents just kind of like oh Mm -hmm. you know um kind of taken aback I mean because I would like if somebody you know like you're trying to like love on your friend's kid or whatever and they're like hey we need you to take a step back and like please don't do this and please don't do that and and then they tell you why and then you're like 
<laughs> like, yeah. you know like you're looking at that you're looking at that child and, and now all of a sudden you see all the stuff that they've been through and it kind of it kind of like you don't you know you don't mean to see them in a different way or whatever but like you do it makes you kind of take a step back really quick and um and so I think that sometimes you have like other situations where they're like where the family members might be more like fearful mm -hmm. um because it's just weird you right. know like maybe it's not like if you're not used to um you know being if you wear rose-colored glasses and your family wears rose-colored glasses and sees everything as like always being like positive and you don't talk about bad stuff that like happens all the time and then you have children that enter in your home that have had really bad stuff happen and then like you've got to have that talk with those people you know it can just kind of traumatize them right. like <laughs> you know and Sorry. um it can kind of traumatize them and so um you know i think that sometimes you just got to take a step back and just kind of see maybe where the people are coming from whether it's whether it's good intentions, whether it may be that they're kind of freaked out by your kid, maybe they're a little scared, uh -huh. um, you know, uh -huh. maybe they're not really sure how to react or what to say or what to do. And so they do nothing mm -hmm. <laughs> or, or they, you know, or what comes out just isn't the most like helpful. But I think in those situations, like you just gotta be you, you and your spouse or your partner, or if you're a single parent that's doing this, like you just have to be, sure in what you have said yes to and what calling that you believe that you've been called to and where you're at and um and not necessarily look for that approval in your family members because usually those are the first people that are going to give you the no mm -hmm. and even sometimes some close friends you know and when you start to take that journey and you start and you find people who are your cheerleaders you know who are there to um support you you know they're there to give you a shoulder to cry on like you develop an, an extended family. Yeah. And it's really good to start surrounding yourself with those kind of people. Right. If you need So to. I don't know that you had uh, a whole lot of those people in the beginning. I know you found them, but I feel like you're, uh, if there's such, it's, since there's such thing as that, you know, Instagram influencer concept, yeah. right? You truly became the influencer of all the people <laughs> around you. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I think that that's what's so special. You didn't really keep this thing to yourself. It it just, like, exponentially, like, grew out around you. I, I know that, like, um, you know, some of your friends that you found through foster yeah. care already had 150 kids, yeah. you know, like you were planning. So that was good. Um, but it, I'm sure you don't think about this, but it's very real. I can think of at least a couple families that I know that because you stepped out in faith and did that, it really spilled over. Um, talk about that. I know it's talking about yourself, <laughs> but, but it's, it's very real. You're a huge advocate, right? I mean, you're just out there. You should do this. People <laughs> <did>. <laughs> you, I don't, you know, I don't, did I talk about it a lot? Like telling people to do it? Like when we were in it? I don't know. I, I mean, you know, maybe I should talk about this part because it's hard to talk about yourself because I, I think it is was more attractional. I think you're right. You know, you didn't have to talk about it. Like things were happening. God was moving. It was very apparent to everybody around you yeah. that you can either stand on the sidelines and be part of the yeah. problem uh, and or you can encourage someone or you can go and, uh, you know, be a CASA worker or help yeah. or raise money or do, do whatever. Yeah. Or you can like really get engaged and make, make a difference in a child's life. Um, for us, it was like, hey, no, you know, I don't know. Nick had always said, no way we're not, you know, I don't want to adopt kids. But then we had a passion for recovery. So in my mind, I was like, well, you know, I could be that person that could love the kid right where they're at and happily give them back. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's you got what... those boundaries in place, you know. Right. Yeah. And I, and, I, and I love the idea of someone that's an addict getting well. Mm -hmm. So to me, it's like, oh, I can cheer. I mean, this is like a golden opportunity to be a cheerleader. That's not what happened. But our family definitely got engaged because of you. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, I know, you know, our friends, the Perils, they got engaged <laughs> yeah. because of you. Yeah. And, um, you know, now they're, they're in the process of adopting four children. Yeah. They'll be a family of seven. So there's eight, you know, nine, 10, 11 kids so far yeah. just in our church that are a result of you taking that first step yeah. at 25 years old. Like what? an amazing, incredible thing. And I, and I don't think that's it. There's many others that have, you know, whether you know or don't know, yeah, have taken that step because 
of, of your story. And so it's very contagious. We need, we need more contagious people out there, yeah. you know? Uh, yes, I know there's somebody else that I'm missing the boat on that's, you know, either taking in kids one way or the other because they've come across your path, good or bad. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know. We, I think we were just, we were very transparent, you yeah. know, um, so I remember showing up like when I had all those little ones in like little car seats and baby carriers and all of that and showing up to church with a pop-up Oh yard. my God. <laughs> and popping up this play yard, you know, like, so that way we can, ha I could be there for the worship practice uh -huh. um, and putting the kids in there with the toys and all of that. And I think like, you know, I don't ever remember showing up and like, be like, you guys should totally do this. No, no, you know? no, you didn't. No, but, um. <laughs> But at the same time, like, I did encourage people. I'm like, look, like, you know, if you really, like, I, I remember having those conversations. And I think it was more so of just being honest. Because um, I would have a lot of people inquire, you know, mm -hmm. like, ask questions. Um, we had a lot of you guys, like, you guys, the perils, like, lots of people who loved all of the children that came into our home and surrounded them and became, like, a support network for them. I think just, like, like you said, like, people just being a part of it, mm -hmm. um, whether they're in your close inner circle or on your outer circle or maybe not even within your sphere that you know like you know by you like stepping out and yeah like you, and you doing what you're supposed to be doing um and the people that come alongside you like it is something that is contagious mm -hmm. um girl I, I would be lying when I when I have some new foster families they're like we got a placement call like I want a placement call like oh my I, I get suckered back into that <laughs> Yeah, instead you've taken up adopting animals. I have. Know. Yeah, we won't talk about it. I yeah. love them so much, though. Like, I have. We totally, like, closed our home, and then I went and got a puppy. Yeah. We totally yeah, did. You, He's yeah. my baby, though. Like, he is my forever baby. My baby, my baby baby, and my dog baby fight over my affection. So, you know, That's if I ever feel like I don't have a baby, there's two. Um, <laughs> I'm thinking of the first time... I don't know if you'd adopted anybody or even had children yet, but I, we were walking, we were, we were walking over at one of the schools Oh yeah. and you know, we just meet over there and we were walking. I mean, this was years ago uh -huh. at this point. And at one point you brought Lindsay and it was the first time I ever met Lindsay. And she had like, I mean, she was like 12 <laughs> to me. She looked 12, but she was probably your, close to your same age in her early twenties. Yeah. And she's cute as a button and she's got this, baby in a in a baby thing I don't know if she had one strapped to her she probably did Jeezy Pete and I just thought what in the world and they were talk. I mean th these two just talked you and her just talking talked about um you know foster care and adoption and I'm just like these girls are crazy they are I mean like what and I had that mom <laughs> sense you know I did yeah. have that sort of mom sense that was like man, what are they getting into? Yeah. And every single stigma that I ever thought about foster care, you know, they're all going to be sexually abused. You're ruining your life. What is mm -hmm. wrong with you? This is insane. You know, you're not going to get paid any money. You're going to ruin your financial security. You know, all of the yes. stuff that anybody can think yeah. I was thinking. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, they're nuts. Mm -hmm. That's not me. No freaking thank you. Mm -hmm. Um, but God can change people's heart. <laughs> he can. I can. And I think what you said is true when you're a around it. Mm -hmm. You know, it was so, like you said, the pop-up baby thing and these adorable children mm -hmm. that need love so badly mm -hmm. in that moment that have been, you know, just completely disrupted from everything yeah. that they know, good or bad, need that affection. It's like, how can I not? How can I not? Mm -hmm. How can I not? Yeah. But had you never taken that step of faith, I, I would have never been in that circle. And we had, but you know, you talk about that and I had the same, I had the same hesitation. So actually one of the big pushes that, I mean, aside from like God calling us to do, but one of the big um, doors that opened to even allow this be an option was my friend Jill, our friend Jill. Mm -hmm. She had posted something on Facebook and I wasn't even friends with her. Like I didn't really know her, but we were Facebook friends and she had posted something about like all the stigmas about foster care and adoption right? And it was the same thing, like, that was on there, and I remember reading it, and I was like, oh my gosh, like, every single one of these, um, the finances was a big thing, like, I felt like, I'm like, I don't know if I can afford mm -hmm. to take mm -hmm. care of a bunch of children, I, um, you know, I was like, I can't afford to adopt a bunch of children, um, that was a big thing of just finances, you know, not that it's about the money, but, like, I am a planner, you know, and mm -hmm. I like to, I think we all like to be financially secure, 
And I was just like, I don't know like how I'll be able to take care of these children financially um, was a big one. The um, There was one of my, I think one of the other ones that she had posted too was about like the, you know, uh, loving the kids and, and sending them back because that was a big thing for me too. So when I say like, I lovingly, like, it's not about you. Like, this is something I said right back to me too mm -hmm. in those moments when the children went back home. Like, it's not about me. Um, you know, but it was somebody else just putting it out there, mm -hmm. you know, like yeah. just because is right. what sparked that for us. Right. Yeah. Why not me? Yeah. Right. Why not me? What, so we're going to wrap up, but where are, if somebody's that's listening is like, wow, okay, this is the moment that, you know, God's telling me like, I need to go get engaged or I just want more information. Where are some of the places that you recommend people call in this, we are in, you know, this Eastern Panhandle, yeah. West Virginia, where, where can they call? What can they do? Um, so you can actually, so in West Virginia, um, you would actually go through like a foster care agency. And so there's several out here. There's um, Genesis is a new one that's out here, I believe. I think that's what it's called. Um, there is uh, Ch Children's Home Society um, is a big one out here. There is Burlington United Methodist Family Services, and that's who we went through. Um, there is NIAP, um, National Youth Advocacy Program, I think is another one. Um, those are the four that I can think of that are like out here in our area. Um, but if you're in a, like, I know you've got this, you know, posted up and so not everybody might necessarily be in this area. Like you can look up whatever state you're in. You can go to the DCFS, the DHHR, whatever their health and human resources um, location is and um, inquire there and they'll put you into contact, you know, with the agencies that are like local to you. Um, and you can, re I mean, you can just, you can ask for a packet, you know, like, right. and they'll send you a packet and they won't call you and bother you, you know, like if you're just like curious. Um, another place too is if you maybe don't necessarily want to do foster care, but want to adopt, um, there's the um, adoptuskids.com, you know, where there's, gosh, uh, tens of thousands yeah. of children on there and they have um, the information to like those children. Um, and the agencies that go through them. And so I know that that's like a really good resource too. Um, yeah. Awesome. Well, I know that somebody's going to be encouraged to uh, take that next step. Just and, do it. Yeah, just yeah. do it. That's what we say. Just do it. It's It really is life-changing, mm -hmm. very rewarding. Um, yeah, you give the children something, but I feel like most of the time I, I know that I'm getting something greater back. And mm -hmm. it's really quite lovely. Thank you so much for being here today. Um, Thanks for having me. It's super, super awesome to have you. And uh, if you have any questions about a foster care adoption, leave them in the comments. We can uh, get back to you on it. I'm sure we'll have Sonia and some other friends again uh, in about adoption. So we'll make sure that any myths that you have in mind will be dispelled and uh, make sure all your questions are answered. Thank you so much for listening to Mama's Making Moves. And thank you, Miss Sonia Bushu. You can go follow her on Instagram and Facebook. Her last name is B-U-S-H-U-E. And uh, leave a comment about how awesome she is. Thanks, everybody. Thanks. Thank you for joining us today on Mama's Making Moves. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss all the fun that we have for you. And follow us on all of our social media platforms.